Amen. Throughout this Advent season, as a church, we've been learning from different songs that are in Luke chapters 1 and 2. So there's different songs in there. There's Mary's song, Zechariah's song, the angel's song. But we're closing out the Advent season of Advent this morning by learning from a, a less popular character in the Christmas story. He doesn't get a lot of hype. He's usually not in a Christmas pageant. His name usually isn't in a lot of stuff about Christmas. But his, his story and his song have a lot to teach us about waiting. Waiting. His name is Simeon, and his story and, and the way he responds to the Lord teach us a lot about waiting, but not just waiting, but also the connection between waiting and hoping. Waiting and hoping. Think about that word waiting for a minute. I understand that any form of that word in our culture is pretty much a bad word. We don't like to wait at all. No one likes to be told to wait. When you, when you call a customer service line, you don't like to hear your current wait time is 45 minutes. No one's like, man, this is, this is the best news I've heard today. No one likes that. No one likes waiting in traffic. That's, all, that's just, you know, every day on I-71. No one likes waiting in line somewhere. No one likes waiting for someone to text you back. You sent someone the text message. You can see that they've read it, but they never texted you back, and you're just waiting. You call ahead to a restaurant, and you ask, do you have a wait? Which is just kind of like a polite, short way of saying, when I get to your place, do I have to wait to eat food, or can I eat it as soon as I get there? Is kind of what we're asking in those moments. But the worst kind of waiting, and, and kids, you, can, you know this, the worst kind of waiting is having to wait to open presents. That is the worst, right, guys? Yes. That is the worst. I mean, it's the worst for adults, too. We want to open presents, too. And then maybe, kids, maybe you have someone in your family that, that has the routine of, well, each person opens one present at a time, and we go, and that, that is horrible. That is horrible to have to do that. Nobody has time for that. But as we'll see with Simeon, there's this really strong connection between what we're waiting for and what we're hoping in. When you're waiting on something, it implies that there's something you're hoping that, and that will end the waiting. There's something you're hoping for that will come and end the waiting. When you are waiting for someone to text you back, you're, you're hoping for a good response from that person. When you're waiting to open presents, you're hoping to get good gifts and the things you've been asking for since Christmas last year. But I think this is going to lead each of us to realize we need to ask ourselves, what is it that I am waiting for? What is it that I am hoping in? Another way to ask that question would be, what is it that I think when I get this or get rid of this, my life will be complete? Our answer to this question, how you and I answer to this question, makes all the difference in a hopeful waiting and a hopeless waiting. And we're going to see how this plays out in Simeon's story and his song in Luke chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, if you're not already there, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2 together. Luke chapter 2, and if you don't have a Bible with you and want to use the Bible in the pew in front of you, it's on page two, uh, 857. Luke chapter 2 on page 857. And as we look at Simeon's song in the, towards the end of Luke 2, 
Each song has taught us something different about why Jesus came. And this song teaches us this, that Jesus came to bring hope to our waiting hearts. Jesus came to bring hope to our waiting hearts. And it's going to be really simple this morning. Just look at two pieces here. We're going to look at Simeon's waiting and Simeon's hope. And in Simeon's waiting, we'll see our waiting. In Simeon's hope, we'll see our hope. So let's look, let's look at the first piece together in Simeon's waiting. At this point in the story, Jesus has already been born. And Joseph and Mary have, have brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to follow certain Old Testament commands that were that they had to follow in their day and these customs would have these commands would have put Jesus around six or seven weeks old so right around two months old and the Lord has orchestrated things in such a way that he's about to cause their path to cross with Simeon's path and it's going to be a really powerful meeting but let's see first what we learn about Simeon look with me at Luke chapter 2 verse 25 Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting, there's our word, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon's name doesn't show up before this moment, and it never shows up again in the Bible after this moment. This is all we really know about him is what Luke gives us here, but the first thing it tells us in verse 25 is that there was a man in Jerusalem. So very simply, Simeon is a Jewish man, and it says that he's righteous and devout. This man was righteous and devout. It means he was a godly and faithful man. He trusted God's word, what we have today as the Old Testament. He trusted what God said there. He did his best to obey God's commands, and he consistently showed up to the temple, which was the place of God's presence in that day. This was his life seeking to obey God, seeking to understand his word, showing up at the temple on a regular basis and and worshiping him. And then a really important phrase in the middle of verse 25, that Simeon was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's our word, waiting. But what exactly is Simeon waiting for? He's not waiting to open presents. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon's day was not a bright, happy day in, the day in Israel's history. It wasn't a fun time to be an Israelite, to be a Jewish man. There was great sadness. There was great tears. There was great pain. They lived under Roman rule in their own land, and no one had heard a word from the Lord for 400 years. So there was disappointment and grief and sickness and conflict all around them. And in the midst of all this, Simeon thinks about Old Testament promises like Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, where God says to his people, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That's what the word consolation means, comfort or encouragement. And Simeon knows promises like that, and he looks around him and he says, God, I don't see those promises in front of me. And he was waiting. He was waiting for God to bring the comfort that he said he was going to bring. And waiting was hard for him. And waiting was hard, is hard for all of us. 
I don't think it's realistic to think that Simeon was this guy who just showed up to the temple on a regular basis and he was joyful and he was excited and he never really messed up or did anything wrong and he just always fully trusted God's promises. He was a normal man. So I'm sure he doubted at times and thought things like, is God really going to do this? Are his promises really true? Doesn't look like it sometimes. It doesn't feel like it sometimes. And so he waited. He waited and he waited and he waited. We can feel that similar sense of waiting in a unique way during the Christmas season. The kinds of griefs and pains that many of us carry, many of you carry in this room, they're always there, but the Christmas season has a way of turning up the volume on it. It's interesting because the, the year is just going on and on and, you know, we're going January and get on to March and May and June and August and September and October and, and then towards November as it gets to December, especially when it, once it gets to December, all of a sudden things are just supposed to be joyful. But sometimes it's like the, the rest of my year and what I've been through this year or a couple years ago or however many years ago, it doesn't feel like that. And it's almost like the expressions of happiness get louder, so my expressions of grief and sorrow get louder with it. It may be because of a loved one that's no longer around. It it may be because of conflict in your family or in your friend group that hasn't been resolved and just lingers. It may be because of a recent job loss or a recent diagnosis you've been given or someone you know well has been given could be an ongoing illness that you have to deal with every day and nobody really sees all that you deal with, but it's there for you as soon as you wake up until you go to bed at night. And it may just be the messiness of life in a broken world that leaves you with that sense of waiting or even anticipating the difficulties that the next year might bring. But like Simeon, in the midst of all this, you and I wait and we wait, and we wait. And if you wonder what Simeon's experience was like, if you think, I don't know if I can relate to him, you certainly can. Because if you wonder what his experience was like, if you're a follower of Jesus today, think about your experience of waiting while also knowing that God promises one day Jesus is going to come back to this world. Simeon was holding on to promises God had made centuries earlier. Promises to Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through his offspring. Promises to David that David's heir would sit on the throne forever. Promises to Isaiah that a servant would come and wipe away our sin. And he was holding on to those promises and waiting. And God's people today were holding on to promises God has made centuries ago. Promises that one day when Jesus comes again, he will wipe away every tear. He will take away all sickness and pain and sorrow. But we're here Surrounded by sickness and pain and sorrow. And we wait. And waiting is hard. That's where I think this simple description of Simeon is really helpful. Because it says in verse 25 that Simeon was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon waited his whole life to see God's promises fulfilled, and he was righteous and devout, meaning every Sabbath he's in the temple sitting under the word of God, 
And God's promises are being stored up in his heart and in his mind week after week after week. Waiting moment after waiting moment, his heart and mind were being filled with the truth of God's character and the truth of God's promises so that in his moments of doubt and sorrow, he had a foundation to stand on. He had a well to draw from as he waited. So I say that to say don't underestimate what happens in you, in your heart, and in your mind when you gather with God's people week after week after week. It's not always noticeable. But week after week, God is storing up truth in you. God is growing the roots of our faith deep into his promises so that we are led to trust him in all circumstances and know that our hope is not in vain and our waiting will be worth it because God says it will. And then this really powerful promise in verse 26 where Luke tells us about Simeon, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God promised Simeon that he would one day see what he had been waiting for before he died. He's bringing hope to Simeon's waiting heart, and we can, we're through this, we're going to see that he does the same for us. So this is where we look, Simeon's waiting to Simeon's hope. You can't really separate the two. Even in his waiting, God was, God was rubbing hope into it. But what happens next here should give us chills. And we just take a minute to think about what happens. Simeon was in the temple week after week after week for his entire life. And we don't know exactly how old he is, but the way he talks when he gets to his song, it sounds certainly like an, an, an older man. But he went week after week for his entire life, and then one day, the exact same day, this young couple from Bethlehem is coming with their newborn baby. They also show up at the temple, and God leads Simeon to the temple, and their two paths cross. Here's what happens, verse 27. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law... He took him up in his arms and blessed God. So Joseph and Mary had their own reasons for coming to the temple that day. Simeon had his own reasons for coming to the temple that day. But now the Lord causes their paths to cross. Think about this. Just imagine this with me. Put yourself in Simeon's shoes. After all the days and weeks and months and years of hearing Not yet, Simeon, keep waiting. Not yet, Simeon, keep waiting. He shows up to the temple thinking, maybe this is the day. And the Lord says, not yet, Simeon, keep waiting. A few years later, he thinks, well, I've waited many years for this. Maybe this is the time. Not yet, Simeon, keep waiting. Simeon now hears the Lord telling him, Simeon, this is the day. That baby is the one. The Savior has arrived. This man who has waited his whole life for this moment. He sees the baby boy. Just picture this. He sees the baby boy. He walks over to Joseph and Mary. His heart is beating out of his chest with joy and excitement. And he goes up to them and he says, could I hold your baby? He's been waiting his entire life for this. And it says in verse 28, he took him, the baby took the baby up in his arms 
And he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Picture Simeon's eyes going from looking at, the, at, at baby Jesus' face and then looking up to the sky to the Lord as he says these things. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In verse 29, he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. He's saying, Lord, I I can die now knowing you have kept your word. Because remember, the Lord had promised him, you will not see death until you see the Lord's Christ. You've done what you said you would do, Lord. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. This is his hope. This is where his peace and his contentment come from. My eyes have seen your salvation. This, it might seem obvious, but focus on who Simeon is talking about. In verse 26, it says that Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then in verse 30, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. God's salvation is not an event. God's salvation is not a circumstance. The salvation he's talking about is a person. This baby boy who would be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He's the one who saves. But Simeon is not just talking here about who saves. He also is talking about who Jesus saves. Not just the one that saves, but who he came to save. Look look at verse 31. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Remember about Simeon. He's a man in Jerusalem. He's a Jewish man. But yet, he doesn't get here, stand up here and proclaim that the Jewish Messiah has come to save the Jews and the Jews alone. He proclaims that he came to save the nations, that he came to save the world, that he's not just coming to save the Jewish people. He's a global Messiah. He came to save people of every nation and language. He is the only Savior of the world. So let Simeon's song shout to you. There is no one in this room or in this world that does not need the salvation of Jesus. And there is no one in this room or in this world that cannot receive the salvation of Jesus. That's what Simeon is celebrating. And these are the truths that God has been storing up in Simeon's heart over the years. And they're all coming out in this moment. These are the truths that have been rubbing hope into his waiting. J.C. Ryle says this about Simeon, and I love it. He says, Simeon speaks like one for whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world has lost its charms. He's not afraid to die because he's seen God's promises. And he's not lured away by the world because he knows what God is doing. Jesus has brought hope to his waiting heart. And when you wait in this world, you need a hope that's going to be outside of this world. Because anytime you and I are waiting and hoping for something in this world, we're only going to be disappointed. But the last thing Simeon says to Joseph and Mary almost feels like, Simeon, you should have stopped with the song. Because it goes into a minor key at the end. But that's not an accident either. Let's look at verse 33 together. 
His father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I mean, you can imagine what it's like to be a parent and hear someone saying these things about your two-month-old child. It's pretty overwhelming. And then verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. As Simeon hands Jesus back to Mary, he tells her that her son will be the dividing point of all people everywhere. He will be the rise and fall of many. He will be the dividing point of all people everywhere. There will be those who trust him and follow him, and there will be those who reject him or who are indifferent to him and walk away from him. And he says to Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. She's going to endure great pain as the mother of this child because of what lies ahead for her son. In a few short years, she's going to stand at the foot of a cross and watch her son die to accomplish what Simeon has just promised. So this means to bring you and I hope, Jesus is going to suffer. To relieve us from our pain, he's going to experience his own pain. To get rid of our grief, he has to experience his own grief. To rescue us from our sorrow will come through him becoming the man of sorrows. He is going to lay down his life in order to bring hope to our waiting hearts. And he ends by saying, all of this will happen so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In all of this, Jesus is the dividing line. Jesus is the great revealer of hearts. The coming of Jesus into this world is the event that reveals what you and I are truly waiting for. What you and I are truly hoping in. It pulls back the curtain to show us our true hearts. Simeon spent his whole life waiting for the day when Jesus would arrive. And the Bible says there's another day coming when Jesus is going to arrive. And on that day, when he comes back into this world to rescue his people, there will be those who realize on that day their hope was in the wrong place. And there will be those who realize their waiting and hoping was not in vain. The difference in hopeless waiting and hopeful waiting is how you respond to Jesus. Do you see that he is who he says he is? He's done what he said he will do. No one else could be who he is. No one else could do what he has done. And so you put your faith in him and follow him. Or do you say, no, he's just one of many options, or I'll deal with that later in life, or whatever the, the line is. How you respond to Jesus is the difference between a hopeful waiting and a hopeless waiting. So to those of you here this morning that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're, you're unsure about this, which there's space for that. You're maybe pushed back on some of this, there's space for that. I just would invite you to hear Simeon's story and hear his song 
as an invitation to put your hope in Jesus and Jesus alone, the only hope you could ever find that will never disappoint you. Every other hope will at some point or multiple points let you down. Jesus will never, he will never disappoint you. To those of you who your hope is in Christ, but you're waiting and you're waiting with these burdens, and you're waiting with these sorrows, and you're waiting in the midst of messiness and brokenness, let Simeon's song remind you there's a light in the midst of the darkness. There's a joy in the midst of the sorrow. It's, this song is calling each of us to trust that God never has failed to keep his promises, so he never will fail to keep his promises, and so it leads us to cling to Christ in whom all the promises of God are resounding yes, And he's the one who has shattered our darkness and lifted our shame. And because Simeon did not wait in vain, the people of God today and every generation will never wait in vain. All of our waiting moments will be met with hope. Jesus came to bring hope to our waiting hearts. And what I really like about Simeon's song is that it reminds us that the truth of Christmas doesn't ignore our pain. I'm not talking about different movies or other like popular Christmas songs. I'm talking about the truths that we see here on the pages of God's word. This story, the first Christmas, does not ignore your pain or your sorrow or your grief or your weight that you're carrying. Nor does it tell you to go wallow in your pain. You can carry great sorrow at Christmas, and yet through Jesus, God can give you the resilience to wait and grieve with hope. There's a poem by a Christian poet named Anne Weems, and the poem is called Not Celebrate. I came across it a few weeks ago. Carrie Lynn shared it with me and just thought it was a perfect match to to Simeon's song. It's not long, it's short, but I'd like to read it to you. It'll be on the screen. The title of the poem is Not Celebrate. Not celebrate? Your burden is too great to bear? Your loneliness is intensified during this Christmas season? Your tears have no end? Not celebrate? You should lead the celebration. You should run through the streets to ring the bells and sing the loudest. You should fling the tinsel on the tree and open your house to your neighbors and call them in to dance. For it is you above all others who know the joy of Advent. It is unto you that a Savior is born this day. One who comes to lift your burden from your shoulders. One who comes to wipe the tears from your eyes. You are not alone for he is born this day to you. This poem is not meant to belittle our waiting, but to remind us that we wait, and we wait as people who have seen the salvation of Jesus. We wait, and we wait as people who know the Savior of the world has come. We wait, and we wait as those who believe he is coming back. So we're not going to wait forever. He won't leave his people waiting. He didn't in Simeon's day. He won't now. And that kind of truth rubs hope and joy and this bedrock 
underneath our grief and sorrow and waiting, knowing Jesus came to bring hope to our waiting hearts.